0: 1 Timothy 5. Why don't you go, guys go there with me? Uh, Dr. Jim had asked me, he said, do you have some days free and send me some days? And so I sent him, I said, I'm going to be home during this week. And so he gave me two days. And I was very surprised about that. Uh, so I got to be here yesterday and today. And I'm enjoying it so much that means in the morning I don't have to paint. So if you want me tomorrow, I'd be, my price is free. <laughs> I would love to come in. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 5. Uh, let me make one more comment. We're at a church in Texas, and uh, the, a ladies trio comes up to sing, and it was a good song. I really appreciated it. And they start singing, and it was moving, and they got through the first verse, and they finish the first verse, and the piano's doing the interlude before the second verse comes in, and the preacher, the pastor, jumps up in front of them and stops it all and says, I want to make a comment about this. And he comments in the first line, okay, ladies, continue. <laughs> and they just hop right back up in, hit it, second verse. And I thought... Wow, <laughs> I mean, everything he did was good, but that would never fly up here, <laughs> but uh, I just it's, it's funny, just the different cultures, but it, hey, they, they went right along with it, so that was good. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy being at my home church, very much so. This passage here this morning that we're going to be looking at, I, I've been working through a personal book study of 1 Timothy 5, kind of doing a Bosler Bible study, if you know what that means where you work through verse by verse. And, uh, uh, but I'm not doing it like Bobby Boser because I, for some reason, spent a lot of time in chapter five a couple weeks ago and I haven't even finished chapter one. But I was in chapter five and, and uh, uh, there's a passage here that uh, the concept I have preached on before and yet from this passage, I believe, would give us a deeper understanding, a fuller understanding. And the reason I love this from 1 Timothy is because this book is written to young men who are preparing for ministry, young men who are already in ministry, and of course, it would not be uh, exclusive to young men, it would be applicable to all of us, But Paul is writing this letter to Timothy and he's challenging him because Paul can't come and give his own counsel in person, so he's challenging Timothy while he is absent on how to lead the church, how to find men who are qualified to lead, what things to look for, what things to avoid, what things to get excited about, and and he continues to challenge Timothy, but most of all, personally, make sure as you're working with all the filth of the world, make sure you also remain pure. And uh, uh, this morning, I want us to focus in on the last two verses of uh, chapter 5, and I'm going to give it a little bit of context. So we're going to look, we're going to read starting in verse 19 and read to the end of the chapter. Uh, And this morning, I want to challenge us about uh, the power, the significance of your secret life, the power and significance of your secret life. So look with me in verse 19, uh, Paul writing to Timothy about finding the right elders for the church, he says, "...against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses." So in other words, look, just every rumor that you hear about a man of God or about a person who is even older than you, don't listen to the rumors unless it's coming from credible sources, and then you need to consider it. Verse 20, uh, "...them that sin rebuke before all that others may fear." And that is a fearful statement. And I think because oftentimes we're trying to be very careful and and try to uh, uh, not bring a a, a railing accusation against people. We are very careful about talking about open sin, but Paul actually told Timothy, look, if someone is openly sinning, you need to rebuke it publicly so that the rebuke would not be out of anger, but that the rebuke would be that of warning, so that we would recognize, man, that guy fell off the deep end, and I don't want to go there. That lady, she ended up in the world, and I don't want to go there. It's not because that person is wicked and you're evil and you are detestable and deplorable. No, that's not the point. The point is warning God Guys, let's not go and make the same mistakes that they did. So the uh, open sin, rebuke it, verse 21. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another. Do nothing by partiality. Verse 22, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins keep thyself pure. What he's saying in this passage is you're looking for elders. You're looking for the people who are going to lead in the church. Don't just look for a guy that you can ordain immediately without considering his character. You need to take some time before you ordain a man to make sure that he proves himself. And as I was reading that verse, it was convicting because I was emailing pastor and saying, Hey, when can we move forward with ordination? And then I read this passage and you say, Oh, not suddenly. And pastor said, let's wait a little bit. Oh, okay, well, let's wait a minute. It's, it's in the scriptures. Okay, so don't lay suddenly on any man. Let them prove themselves. But don't be partaker of the, that man's sin. So when you lay hands suddenly on them and you don't allow them a, position of, or a time of proving when it is revealed, if it is revealed that they actually weren't walking with God, your endorsement ends up being an endorsement of sin. So you want to be very careful. And in this process, he tells Timothy, Keep thyself pure. Now, verse 23, we're not going to spend any time on it. He says, uh, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. And I've read quite a bit on this passage, uh, different commentaries, and there does seem to be some indication that there may be a medicinal use for health uh, purposes of some kind of alcohol. But I want you to notice this. He says, use, he doesn't say drink. The point being, this is, uh, Paul is not giving a Timothy an opportunity, like if you need to reach more people, use alcohol. He doesn't say that. He said, if there is a need because of your physical ailments where a little bit of fermentation could help you, you can use it. Now, I'm going to stop right there, and I'm not going to go any farther. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just saying I'm against alcohol because the scripture is. Okay, so let's just get that abundantly clear. He that looks thereto is not wise. If you really want to know what God's opinion is on an issue, and you went to him and said, Lord, what do you think about this? And he said, my son, that's not wise. You don't have to wonder what he thinks about it. Okay? And I know I'm preaching to the choir, but we would think in this room that that's an obvious statement, but it's not today. And the Lord is against it. He's against it, and so am I. Okay. (laughs) So now, at the very end of the chapter, as he's talking about finding the right men to place into leadership, finding the right ones who are going to lead the church, finding the ones that you can put your endorsement behind. Look with me in verses 24 and 25. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also, the good works of some men, or of some, are manifest beforehand and they that are otherwise cannot be hid so what paul is saying in these two verses he says look some people, what they are doing, their sinful lifestyle, uh, you don't have to wonder. It's obvious. They've made it clear. It's clear before anyone. If you were trying to find out if this man is living a sinful lifestyle, and so you bring him before a court and have witnesses and, 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 to, and to bring evidence before him, some men's sin beats him to the courthouse. You don't even have to bring a witness because it is so abundantly obvious that what they are doing is obviously sin. It's clear. It goes even before him to judgment, but some men's sins follow after. Meaning, after you've tried him, and after you've searched him, and after you've considered them in the courtroom, there still may be something that he's doing in secret that he's sinning, and he says, mark it down, it will follow after. So what he's saying is, if a man is sinning in secret, even if it's not obvious, it's coming out. It's coming out. Someone's going to find out about it, and it may not even be until after he dies, but it's coming out. Now, on the positive side on verse 25, likewise, also good works if some are manifest beforehand. There's people that they walk with God and everybody knows it. I mean, it beats them to the judgment hall. Their witness is clear before all men. They walk with the Lord and they that are otherwise, it's in secret, the good works they do in secret, cannot be hid. So what Paul is trying to say is, look, there are some people, their sin's obvious, And there's some people that their sin is secret. There's some people who their good works are obvious, and there's some people whose good works are in secret. So the point he's trying to get across to Timothy is just be aware that you can search a man all you want, but mark it down. If he's not walking with God, it will come out. And if a man is walking with God, mark it down. It will come out. So my challenge for you this morning is twofold both the negative and the positive, and is to say this, young people, who you are in secret is coming out. Who you are in secret will someday become who you are in public. In other words, the man or the woman you are behind closed doors, your secret life, your private life, there is coming a day when the image that you have made to be your public life is going to be taken over by who you are in secret. So eventually, your secret reputation will be your public reputation. In other words, if you're doing something in secret, it's coming out. It was Valentine's Day of 2013. I was in school at the time. Joe was in school at the time. He and I were in school together. Uh, We were in school at the time, and and I remember when the story broke, and it was quite shocking. I'm sure pastor would remember this. A Baptist missionary by the name of Nathan Luthold. I believe he had been a missionary in Lithuania, if I have it correct. Had been a missionary for a number of years, had a good family, and yet while he was in Lithuania, he began the process of starting a Uh, an adulterous relationship with a young lady over in Lithuania. I think that she worked for them and did things for them and she was a much younger lady and, and he allowed himself the opportunity to begin a relationship with her, unbeknownst to his wife. They came home on furlough and he worked it out so that this young lady could come back as an exchange student to America. And then they started helping her. They would take, take her out to eat, and they would provide meals for her, and they would uh, uh, take her different places, and she would be in their home. And, and this man continued the adulterous relationship. And on Valentine's Day of 2013, the adulterous relationship had gone so far, it could not be hidden any longer. And Nathan Luthold stood behind the entry door of his home on Valentine's Day of 2013 with a loaded 9mm, And when his wife walked through the door, she never saw him, and he blew her away into eternity. He rummaged through the house to make it look like it was just a break-in, threw the gun in a trash can, and texted the young lady from Lithuania, Happy Valentine's Day. When the news broke, it was shocking. No one could, could believe what he had done, and yet a man made a compromise in his secret life. And who he was in secret eventually became public. When it was finally found out who it was and the gun was recovered and the detectives immediately recognized something looks fishy about this. There's there's something not right. And they began to, to research it and do their detective work. And it did not take them long before they discovered what was going on. He was held in court and the judge was giving the final sentence. And the judge said this to him, quote, I have to give you credit You've, done, you've, had, you've led a law-abiding life, and for many years, you did good things. But now, you have poisoned it all. But Nathan Luthold did not poison his life when he pulled the trigger that day on Valentine's Day. He poisoned it when behind closed doors back in Lithuania, he made the very first decision to compromise in his own spirit and in his own soul, and who he became in public became, or who became in private became his public reputation. Now, that's a very uh, a bold and stark illustration, but it's not uncommon. Last year, in August, the college president of a university, a Christian university down in Virginia, It became public that he and his wife, for years, had been having a sexual relationship with the same person. He's making a million dollars a year. No college president that I know of other than pastor makes that kind of money. (laughs) He he had it all. He had everything he wanted. His dad was famous in the fundamental world. He He had a famous name, a university that's known around the world. And yet, that wasn't enough because he wasn't finding Jesus and who he became in secret. The things he did in secret became public. Last August, I mean, he was fired immediately. Everybody starts finding out about this. Last November, a large-name pastor, big-name pastor from New York City, it becomes public that he had been uh, cheating on his wife and he was immediately fired. I, I'm just saying, guys, it is not uncommon in our world today For men of God, or supposed men of God, to think that they can keep their secret life hidden. And the reality is, who you are in secret is coming out. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says it three times, and we're going to look at this in a little bit later, but he says three different times, And thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. (laughs) God is going to make sure that who you are in secret is coming out. And I'm just saying, guys, if you're making small compromises in your life right now, it's coming out. Now, it may not come out while you're in college, and that could be the worst thing for you. There was a young man that was... Expelled from a university or a college that he was at I was told the story later on He was expelled from the college that he was at and as he was leaving the college He angrily stormed out of there saying I'm mad at the devil for doing this to me And I want you to understand the devil did not do that to him The Lord did because the Lord is good Because the Lord knows that that man's going to ruin his reputation. That man's going to ruin his wife. He's going to ruin everything about his future unless I reveal what's going on in secret. It was not trying to destroy that young man's life. He was trying to save it. Guys, the greatest thing God could do for you in this college is to reveal who you are in secret. And it's not a matter of whether he's going to. He is. So when it's revealed who you are in secret, what is, is it going to look like? Guys, if people watched you and, and could see what, what you do and how you speak and how you think when you think you are all alone, what would it reveal? I was preaching at a camp in 2016 uh, in Miami, fresh out of Bible college. I had just finished. I, I, I was the, uh, the president of the student body, walking in a lot of areas of victory, but not all. I was preaching at this camp in Miami. I'd been preaching for several days. I remember this one particular morning, I was was endeavoring to walk with the Lord that morning, went to the chapel early. And as I was walking into the chapel, it was completely dark in the room. There were no students in there. There was nobody else but myself, or so I thought. And I remember that morning, as I walked into the chapel, I happened to be singing a song. I believe it was Nearer, Still Nearer. And I was just rejoicing, talking with the Lord, and singing to myself, Nearer, Still Nearer. And I was just focused, and I was in there for probably two, two minutes or so. Thinking I was all alone, and finally out of the darkness over to my uh, left side, or your right, my left side, a a voice spoke of an elderly lady who all of a sudden just said, oh, I love that song. (laughs) And immediately, my very first thought is, what have you done in the last two minutes that would embarrass yourself? (laughs) Now, when I thought that thought, I was not thinking, did you pick your nose in the last two minutes? I was thinking, I, I immediately I raced through everything I had said out loud, everything I had sung, everything I had done the last two minutes, wondering if I had done anything to compromise my status as a man of God. And immediately the Holy Spirit said, why do you even have to think that way? The reason you have to think that way is because there's things in your life that if they were revealed, it would remove your status as a man of God. I remember going back after that just shaken, because the Holy Spirit had dealt with me saying, Caleb, as long as you live your life trying to keep your secret life secret and your public life public, I will make sure because I love you that who you are in secret is revealed. There's a story in 1 Kings, the passage I would normally use, about a man of God who went before Jeroboam. No one even knows this man of God. He's an unnamed, unknown prophet. Stands before Jeroboam in a public setting, used of God. God clearly told him, don't eat with anybody, don't drink with anybody, go home on the back roads, and he obeys God until he's alone underneath an oak tree. And an old prophet convinces him to come home against the very word of God. And because of that secret sin, by the end of the day, his carcass was laying in the street. And the very tongues that had wagged his praise about standing on Bethel that day were the very tongues spreading the fact that there's a prophet laying dead in the streets. I'm just saying, guys, that who you are in secret. He says some men's sins are open before him. Some of beforehand. There's there some people that we all know they don't walk with God. There's some people that are doing things uh, that are clearly against God. And chances are they're not in this auditorium. Chances are there's nobody in this auditorium where everybody says, oh, man, we know he's not walking with God. Because if you were that kind of obvious a person, you probably wouldn't be here by now. Okay. So what we need to deal with is the fact that he says some men's sins are open beforehand going to judgment and some they follow after. So what is going to follow after for you? Who are you in secret? When I was in seminary, God was dealing with me again. Caleb, no small compromises. No compromises whatsoever. In your private life, when the door is closed and nobody knows, let it be that anybody could walk in at any time and you would still be a man of God. Now that doesn't mean you always live under pressure. Like I wonder if anybody's watching. Is there a camera anywhere? I wonder if any, whenever I try to kiss my wife in public, she immediately goes, there's probably a camera. (laughs) Who cares, we're married. (laughs) I'm not talking about living like that, where you're constantly frantic, wondering if everybody's watching, wondering, uh, trying to keep yourself pure so in case somebody watches you. What I'm saying is where your private life, regardless of who is watching, means something to you because God is watching. Where you're not constantly living under pressure, you're free because you're determined to walk with God. Uh, guys, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about the, the big stuff. I'm not talking about whether or not you're running off uh, campus at night and meeting a student for coffee and you guys are, 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 are going out together. I'm not talking about those kind of things. I'm saying the small compromises, like the app on your phone, that every time you watch that, there's commercials that come up and there's ads that come up and it hinders your spirit and, and the Holy Spirit has told you, remove that. And every time you disobey the Holy Spirit's prompting, you shut the app down, you put your phone down and you can't walk with God. And for the rest of the day, you're in darkness, and the rest of the day, you're separated from the Lord. I'm talking about those small compromises because it's those small compromises that eventually lead to pulling the trigger behind the door on Valentine's Day. They always lead to that. See, it always start, starts small. The small compromises. Who are you in secret? But he says this in verse 25 likewise, also, the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Now this is a glorious truth, because what God is saying is, there's some people that their reputation has has been that, that they walk with God long enough that everybody knows it. It's clear, we don't have to wonder. I don't doubt the character of pastor, because he has lived and walked with God long enough that his good works are open beforehand. I have no concern, no worry about his character, because he's lived long enough where his good character has shown. But he also says there's some that their good works are in secret, and I will make sure that they are not hid. So here's my next, my major point, and this is where I'm burdened for you guys. Who you are in secret, if you are a man with a powerful secret life, if you're a woman with a powerful meeting with God in your secret life, he says it cannot be hid. It's coming out. Guess what, guys? If you meet with God, it's coming out. You've you've heard the same testimonies that I have of pastors who have taken the hour of prayer challenge, just for instance, have taken the hour of prayer challenge and have determined, I'm going to spend extended time with God and I'm not even going to tell my wife. I'm not going to tell my deacons. Billy Ingram told this story. And it did not take very long before someone came to him and said something's different. God made sure that it came out. And God vindicated him. And and let me just say this, guys. If you are resisting the hour of God because it looks like a formula and you're tired of hearing about formulas, ditch the immaturity and don't look at it as a formula. And just say, well, okay, look, guys, 60 minutes. There's nothing magical about 60 minutes. There isn't, all right? Yesterday, Gilbert woke up uh, 10 minutes before 5. So that's like 4.50. So I had to get up with him. Well, I didn't have to, but I did. Got up with him and finally got him back to sleep. And at that point, I was already up and awake enough that I stayed up, okay? I had more than an hour with God yesterday. This morning, Gilbert got up early and he didn't go back to sleep. <laughs> so I had less than an hour. <laughs> but I met with the Lord. So there's, I'm I'm just saying there's nothing magical about 60 minutes, but there's some students who have been here in years past who have resisted the 60 minute hour with God and they've said, oh BCM's trying to cram it down my throat and they resist it and I think, do you realize what you're resisting? Like, oh that school is legalistic because they try to make me spend an hour with God. (laughs) Do you realize how carnal that sounds? Do you realize how carnal that is? So if you feel like they're trying to cram it down your throat, don't let them cram it down your throat, just do it on your own. But I'm actually I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying, guys, when it was presented to us as a student body, pastor presented it with fear and trembling. He didn't get excited about it. He was like, man, I feel like God's telling me to do this. I have to do this. And so I'm telling you, maybe we should do this together. And the whole student body in the church were like, oh, man, I don't think I can do this, but man, we're going to try to do it." Nobody viewed it as a formula. It was just an opportunity to spend extended time with God. And within three weeks, we're all going, man, that was great. Everybody needs to do that. Now, sometimes when you get so excited about it, you just want to beat everybody over the head saying, man, you got to do this. you got to do this. And maybe some of you have felt that way that people beat me over the head with the 60 minutes. Okay. Forget that part. Just recognize that what they're saying is, man, extended time with God is awesome. It's changed my life and you want to try it. Don't resist the 60 minutes. Don't resist the four. Just spend time with God because he says, if you have a secret life, if you spend time, if you're doing good works behind closed doors, it's coming out. And my father, which seeth in secret, shall reward the openly. Consider this, especially young men. If you are a man of God, you don't have to tell the visiting pastor. God will make sure it comes out. You actually don't. If you want to be an evangelist, you don't have to solicit meetings. And you don't have to tell everybody that you're a man of God. Because if you are one, God will do it and he'll do a much better job. He knows how to market, and he does a much better job at marketing. You know, when, when God does something, we often step back and say, wow, that was amazing. And if your marketing looks human-made, it probably was. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in a, in a matter of maybe a couple hours, they went from enemies of the state to national heroes, and they could not have done that by themselves. And I doubt they said, hey, guys, guess what? Here's a marketing plan. It's called a bonfire. (laughs) This is going to be good. I don't think they thought that way. No, but because they chose to be obedient to God, God vindicated them, and God went from a useless deity to the one true God. I'm just saying, when God does it, you don't have to have your fingerprints all over it. Some men spend much more time trying to protect an image than they do trying to protect their secret time with God. You don't have to protect an image. You, you don't have to worry about it because God says, the one who sees in secret, mark it down. I'm going to reward thee openly. I'm going to make sure it comes out. Not long ago, uh, we were going to be visiting a church in Waco, Texas. And the pastor I've, I've known before, I've, I've been with him before, he's never asked me to preach. And that's fine. I would like to preach there, but he's never asked me to. No problem. We were visiting there because that's where my grandfather lives and that's where my grandfather goes. We're getting ready uh, to go there, and, and the uh, assistant pastor actually asked me, he said, hey, let's get together, let's go out for, for lunch. I said, okay, no problem. As we begin to talk, uh, uh, I find out that a young man, well, I knew, I knew the relation, his nephew I had worked with several times, and just the way the Lord worked it out, he had come to the camp that I was speaking at, and uh, just one night we sat on the porch, and he just unloaded everything that he was working through, and God did an incredible, uh, just just reviving work in his life. He went back home. This is over a year ago. He went back home, and just God has been doing a changing work in his life, and it's everybody in his family knows it. So the assistant pastor at this church is that boy's uncle. I never put the connections all together. So when I'm coming to this church, I'm told later, oh, pastor already knows who you are because of how much you have impacted this young man. And pastor, the next time you're through, he wants you to preach. And I want you to just know this, I did not do that. I did not plan that, I could not have. But because of a a decision of obedience of helping a young man who I had no clue anybody would know, because of a decision of obedience of helping a young man, God made sure that it became public. So what I'm saying, guys, is, if you are ministering to the deplorables who don't look popular, and you feel like your ministry is wasted because pastor doesn't know that you're ministering, God will make it come out. And if you walk with God in your secret life and you spend time with God, it's going to come out. Someone once said, and I can't can't remember the preacher, and I probably won't say it just like he did. Uh, He basically said, the men of God who walk into the room, and when they walk into the room, everybody knows it. And when they enter into a prayer meeting, everybody knows it. That man of God doesn't know it. In other words, if you're a man of God where people are impacted the moment you walk in the room, you don't know that you are. But everybody else does. Because God can make your reputation public if you are a man of God. So it's not like this. Boy, I spent a week of hour of God, and so I want to make sure everybody knows it. (laughs) It's not like you level up to a position where you all of a sudden start feeling like a man of God. No, you just are consistent and walking with the Lord in private, and God says, I'm going to make sure that it comes out. (laughs) All through the scripture, God has done this. Think about uh, 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 Moses. Moses had a secret life, and God honored him. Abraham had a secret life, and God honored him. David had a secret life. He had two secret life. The reason we have the book of Psalms is because of David's secret life. The reason we have Psalm 51 is because of David's secret life. Daniel had a secret life. Daniel didn't try to get thrown into the lion's den. Uh, Everybody just knew Daniel walks with God, and God vindicated him. Did you know that Jesus didn't even try to raise his praise? As he stood on trial, he kept his mouth shut to the point that his accusers even knew. It did not take Pilate long to figure out, this guy's not guilty. And he didn't even have to bring forth a railing accusation, as 1 Peter says. But instead, he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And, And God, who judgeth righteously, will make sure that if you walk with him, it's coming out. And you can't help it. You can do, if, if you're sinning, you can't help it. It's coming out. And if you're walking with God, you can't help it. It's coming out. So, who you are in secret has got to be who you are in public. So, I want to ask you, young people when who you are in secret is made public, will it either establish you as a manner of woman of God or will it undermine everything you've been trying to produce and show and reveal as your reputation? because God knows how to take that which is in secret and make it public. He's really good at it. And if you think you can graduate with unconfessed sin, you've got another thing coming. I remember being in the dorm when a graduating senior, maybe a month away from graduation, Something wasn't right. Something was off, but we couldn't tell what it was. Maybe a month before graduation, came back to the dorm. You could tell something had happened. Maybe a tear stain on his cheek. Came back to the dorm, called another friend. Said, so I went to the dean's office, and I got clean. I couldn't, I couldn't last any longer. I couldn't wait any longer, and I just knew If I graduated with this hidden sin, I was going to be miserable. And before God revealed it, I wanted to take care of it. He's an assistant pastor today. Walking with the Lord as best we know. Because he made the decision to deal with the secret sins so that God didn't have to. And then there's those people who were in college who determined before God, whether anybody else knows or not, I am going to meet with God They're different people today. They're marked people today because they walk with God. And it's not because they told everybody. It's because God made it known. And so I just want to challenge you young people. When who you are in secret is revealed, what will it reveal? And if you're a man of God, you don't have to be the one revealing it. You can rest. You can have confidence. You can sit back and say, Lord, I'll let you do the vindicating. Lord, I'll let you do the praise. Uh, Lord, I'll let you do all of that. I don't have to talk to anyone. I I don't have to share with anybody. Uh, And again, don't don't be immature about this. I'm not saying like, well, I can't tell anybody about my hour of prayer of God. I'm I'm not talking about that. I'm saying when your motivation, when your heart motivation is to try to make it look like you're a spiritual person, don't talk about it. I think James says that uh, if this man thinks he's got religion and bridleth not his tongue, his religion is vain. So the point being, uh, it's coming out. If you're not religious, it's coming out. And if you walk with God, it's coming out. So what's coming out? Who you are in secret is going to become public. And if you pursue God's face in secret, he will reward thee openly. And it's a wonderful manifestation.